Well, as we begin this leg of the journey of this call Jesus has to follow him, in case you haven't been here, I want to just kind of recap for us the first week. And Jesus, this is a theme all throughout every one of the four accounts of his life, death, and resurrection. It's an invitation to follow him. That's what we looked at in week one was this unique invitation. Come and follow me. Move close to me and go where I go. Live how I live. Do what I do. Last week, we looked at the many blessings that come through that, this wonderful pronouncement of the kingdom, the supernatural things that happen, all the things we're drawn to out of that that great joy. And this week, we're going to look kind of at the harder side of this. In fact, to get us started, I don't know how many of you have ever played this game. It's called Would You Rather? But it's, it's a card game people play. And I know in, in my own family, we do not like this game. And you may not be either. But I'll just give you a few examples. And you can see which you would pick. In fact, if you're online, you can hit it in the chat here. You can just kind of think about it at any of the campuses. Or if you're close to someone, you can even share it. So would you rather go a month without internet or a month without bathing? Which one do you think you'd do? And if you're saying you already go a month without bathing, we just need to talk something else about that. Let me take you to another one. Would you give up coffee or soda? I should have said pop because of where we're from, but I did say soda. I'm sorry. I just, I was afraid someone would think that was giving up dad. Coffee or pop? Is that a hard choice for you or not such a big deal? Not even a big deal for some of you. For others, you're like, make it a different drink and we're in trouble. Would you never eat cookies again or only drink water? It's starting to feel a little more difficult or you're like, yeah, I, don't, I like water. I don't. You start to see how there's these choices we get stuck with. It's like, which, which would I do? Let me, let me give you another one. Would you never use social media again or never watch another movie or TV show? You know, you're awfully quiet, but I think inside you're thinking, please, that's like Sophie's choice. You can't do that to me. Like, that's difficult for me. Let, let me take it to one that might be even a little more telling. Would you rather have three kids with no money or no kids and $3 million? When you're laughing, that's not a good sign for your children. Like, oh, dad laughed at that one. I don't know what that means. It's an interesting picture. I don't know how many of you are like this. I don't like this game because I have to choose. Which do I need most? Which do I want most? And the way we live today, we kind of want to say, you can have it all, don't we? We want to find ways to get everything we can and where we're going today in the look through the book of Matthew, we're looking through Matthew's gospel, Matthew's account. We're looking at some of the major references where Jesus basically says you can't have both. Would you rather or would you rather? And we're going to be faced with the fact that God does tell us only one thing can be first. And I think oftentimes we've found ways around that. So we're just going to go in. All I'm asking is that the Spirit leads you. Uh, these are, I think they're harder than the simple ones I give you to begin with as we enter into the passage. So we're going to begin in Matthew 8. And, and I'll tell you what's gone on in the passage already uh, in this kind of series of stories. So in, when we get to this time... Jesus will have done three major miracles. In fact, we talked about several of them last week. One of them is a man has leprosy and he heals him of that. A centurion has a sick person, he heals of that. And then there's a third unique healing that goes on. And all of a sudden, all these great things are happening. And so we get to this unique place, the people are with him, and here's what follows after these great events. 
When Jesus saw the crowd around him, which they're all coming for all he did, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law, a religious leader, someone who had been following for, for Yahweh for all these years, came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Teacher, I am all in. You're the rabbi I want to follow. Now, what Jesus responds with is somewhat shocking. In fact, if you've ever been around organizational leadership, we know that what we're always inspired to do is to give vision for where we're going, to inspire people by all of the great things that are ahead if they'll only follow where we're going. We often think of Jesus this way. Let's only tell those great things he invites us to. That's how we'll inspire people to go. And yet with Jesus, instead, he goes, let me tell you all the cost. Let me remind you of what you can't have if you want me. And he continues. Hey, listen, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, this is significant, particularly for someone who asked to follow a rabbi. The rabbis in, in the Israeli culture, in the Israelites, were a very highly esteemed group. There was prestige that with it, and often even income, and often even benefits. So when someone says, Jesus, I'll follow you, they're looking for all the good that's gonna come. And what Jesus is saying to this young leader is, guess what? With me, you have to set aside all the things, all the perks you thought you'd get. You see, following me, there's no place to lay your head. You don't get the things you think you're gonna benefit from. Still want it? Would you rather? Now, then it tells us another story right after it. Another disciple then says to him, Lord, first, I wanna follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, I don't know how many times you hear people say, Jesus is so wonderful. I love Jesus. We should just be like Jesus. Does that sound very nice? Hey, dude, I know you want to follow me, but listen, if your dad dies, you just need to come with me. Give it up. Doesn't that sound horrible? Doesn't that sound heartless? And in fact, it actually sounds like it denies the very values that God had taught because what it was seen was if a family member, particularly a parent, was on their deathbed and was to die, one of the highest acts to honor them was to bury them. It was one of the highest acts. Jesus actually does something very different on the cross. As he's going to the cross and his mother will be alone, he says to John, this is your mother, now she's your, he's your son. He gives a family where there is none so that his mom's not known. He deeply values scripture. So why would he say something like this? Because he's saying it very simply. Guess what? As much as all of those things are, following me is all in or not. You don't get both. It's me or it's this. I think that's a hard message for us today. I think we're very comfortable and very casual about these things. And yet Jesus is saying, guess what, would you rather? Would you rather have the things of prestige, have the things that move you ahead in life, or would you rather have me? Would you rather do all the things even that are close to you that matter? Or would you rather have me? He's saying, I am better even than the most significant application of the law. Because I am over that. I am it personified. I am who you need to want. I mean, all the people that tell us, you just need to follow the teaching. Jesus, he's so great. He's such a, he's, come on, this is not easy, is it? I mean, this is strong. 
I don't care how important this is to you. It is not enough. You got to set it aside if you're really going to follow me. If you're really all in with me, you're all in with me. Now, I told you this is a theme. I looked at all of these through the Gospel of Matthew and how many times, and now I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm going to hit three big ones that are repeated. They're in other accounts. They're in other Gospels, other stories about it. Let me move you on to Matthew 10. And in Matthew 10, Jesus is sending out his disciples to do this work. He's telling them, you're going to go. And he tells them things like, you need to be innocent as doves and shrewd as serpents. Like, you need to be both, because there's tough things out there. He's telling them, you're going to have difficult things go on. You may even get flogged. You may even go through deep struggle and pain. You may go through hardship. He's telling them all this stuff. He's saying, it's going to be great, and you're going to be with me. And then he gives this really hard aspect of the teaching. As he's telling them when they're going out, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Does that strike you as difficult at all? I mean, come on, we live in West Michigan. Do you know that we're like the place you raise a family? We're the place you love family. We're the place that family reigns. In fact, if we don't really live out life in our family, we don't really live for Jesus. It's almost like it's family and then him. And he's saying, if you, don't, if you love the people around you more than me, you're not worthy of me. Is that not harsh? I wish we could be talking about this and it wasn't just me talking. I'd like somebody to go, yes, that is. That sounds really difficult because it is really difficult. I mean, come on, I love my wife and kids. I loved my parents on this earth. I love the people around me. Where is this coming from? Well, there's a prophet, one of them in the Old Testament, that writes about this. In fact, Jesus refers to it earlier in the teaching when he's talking to his disciples. He says things that when Messiah comes, it will turn father against son and mother against daughter and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and basically says, you can't pick your family over me. I mean, I think, I guess I wonder, are there times where we say, you know what, I'd love to be this or do this, but you know what? I really am going to just live in this for my family. I mean, it's another area that we can pick over Jesus or say, yeah, Jesus, I love you, but you told me to love my family. Therefore, I will not, and I will not, and I will not. And make no mistake, I'm, not differ I'm differentiating. This is following Jesus, not saying, well, the church asked me to do this or the church asked me to do that. It's saying, would you actually put Jesus in front of your family, whatever that means? That's what he's saying. These are all wonderful things he invites us to. Now he continues on and makes it a little stronger in other ways. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And he explains what this means. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Now, I just want to take a minute because there is some explanation that can help with this, though I, I think it's fairly self-evident, but I find it just interesting to think about what he means by this idea of what he says. And he says it here, whoever finds their life. This word finds... Uh, literally means to obtain it. It doesn't just mean to look for it. It means to obtain it in your own power. And so in a sense, what he's saying is, whoever goes to live out their own life 
in their own power, in their own way, will lose it. But whoever lets it go and isn't self-reliant and isn't looking for their own way and isn't looking for their own benefit will find it. Now, we live in a culture that highly promotes self-advancement and self-made people. What do we regularly say? They are a self-made man, a self-made woman. Look at all they've accomplished, and we do it ourselves. I have worked so hard and gotten this far, and I am not, in one sense, saying you haven't, but I am in another saying it means nothing. We think it means everything, and we look and we measure ourselves against one another, and we feel good for what we've accomplished and Jesus says, you are not worthy of me. What you think you've accomplished and even what you have on your own means nothing. Will you live in complete dependence on me, never resting in what you think you've done for you, but giving all of that up to follow me? And Jesus is not looking for nice, comfortable West Michigan family loving Christians. He's looking for fully surrendered followers that go for all this good. That is not what I rest in. It's you. I just want to follow you. I have to tell you, I, you know, I, I'm an optimist. I love telling you the great things that are coming. And I never enjoy kind of kicking you but I'm kicking me too. Because all of these things I am subjected to, all of these things I rest in, oh, I must at all costs protect my family. Oh, I must at all costs be at a place that moves us up and to the right. Oh, I must at all costs find some way, some way to make all this work well for everyone and for me. Following Jesus, you give up your life. Say, whatever you have, Lord, that's where I'm going. Now, this continues all through the gospel. It's not just here. It continues with others as well. In fact, we move on to one other excerpt in Matthew, and then I want to take us to one other account because I think it kind of gives a picture to all of this. We're going to go in just a little bit further into Matthew 19. And uh, in this particular story, a, a man comes to him, a, a person who says, listen, I, I want to follow you. I want to do what's right and live the right way. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal lives? And G Jesus basically says, listen, you got to follow the commands. You know, you got to honor your father and mother. You don't, you, you honor the Lord. You love him first. He starts going through three or four of them. And the man's response is, I have done all of this, which by the way is an overstatement in case you don't realize it. I followed all of them. What am I still lacking? And this is what Jesus tells him. If you want to be perfect, which just means mature, by the way, means growing up in this thing, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, this is a story I think in our culture we become inoculated to. We tend to, 
take this story and go, oh, that was a unique man to a unique circumstance. Jesus looked in and saw his greed and his way of thinking and called it out, and that's why. And all of us sit and go, that, I mean, that's a story you never want to hear in church, right? Who, who wants to hear that one? Guess what? We are the richest people in history at the richest time and the richest place. Do you think maybe a message like letting go of your wealth is an important one for us? I hate to say it, but I think it's probably one of the most important messages we'd ever have. I don't want to think about this. The reason he ached was he had much wealth. Are you and I willing to follow Jesus if we have to give up our wealth? Are we willing to follow Jesus if we have to give up our comfort? Are we willing to follow Jesus if it means a sacrifice? Are we willing to follow Jesus if we can't have the second home, if we can't do the weekend skiing, if we can't, you can fill in the blank. We don't want to give up anything. And Jesus will always reach in to the places that have grabbed our heart and say, would you give that up for me? Would you really let go of this for me? Would you really live differently for me? Like, do you want to follow me? You can't follow me and drag all this along. This is tough, isn't it? I'm asking questions. What's this look like for me? This is a hard but a real truth. We love to follow Jesus, but we like to follow at a distance and we like to follow as long as we can bring along the other things and as long as he gives the other things that we really want to have. It's crazy when all this is done because his disciples see what's happening and they go, hey, Jesus, we, we've given up everything. to follow. They're like, look at me. Look at me. I don't have anything. Now, they didn't have anything to begin with, so it's not really like they gave up a lot. <laughs> but they're basically going, hey, we, we gave up fishing. We gave up our dad's boat and fishing. What did we get? And Jesus is wonderful about it. He actually says, listen, when I come into my glory and I reign, when the second coming happens and I return and I reign over all this, I will sit on a throne and you will sit with me watching over, judging Israel. And then Jesus goes on to explain even further what he means about what comes in following him. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much as they will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. When's the last time we asked, what am I willing to give up for you, Jesus? I gotta have you this bad, I'll give up whatever it takes. I just want you. It's an upside down way of thinking. It's a powerful way of thinking. And it would be so remiss of me and of us to make following him something much easier and simple. Hey, it's just take another step. Hey, it's just, if you just do one more move, and I'm not saying we don't take steps, but are you and I willing to go, God, whatever it means, I'll set aside anything and everything for you. Anything and everything for you. You know what's crazy? We give up brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and wives and children for our frustration and anger and broken relationship. We give them up for the wrong things. But would we give those things up for Jesus? We give them up because of something we want. It's crazy to think about. We constantly break relationship. 
you don't think the way I think, you don't do the way I do, and we're breaking down for you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, would you not hold to them above me, and would you step away if they were telling you not to follow me? You know, all I've been praying all week for all of us is somewhere the Spirit will meet you in this because it's a hard message. But it's true, isn't it? I mean, I don't think any of you are going to be writing to me tomorrow going, amen. But I think in our souls are going to be going, amen. Oh, God, have mercy on me and help me. I want to take you to one final picture of this that I think gives a, a picture of maybe what the struggle is inside. This is in John chapter 6. There's a bunch of events that happen. And it's because it leads us to a very sad moment. But I just want to kind of walk through what happens here. So at the beginning of John 6, Jesus is on a mountainside. He's done a bunch of healing and all these crowds are following him. And the Passover being near is very important when we get to this part. Because what happens in John's account, and it's in some of the other accounts, is he sees, Jesus sees all these people without food and struggling. And he tells his disciples, hey, let's get them food. And obviously they have these conversations, hey, there's no way I can afford this, we don't have the food around. So Jesus, with it, tells us a couple of barley loaves and some fish, prays over them and multiplies them. By the way, side note, the fact that it's barley tells us it's Passover too, not that you care, but for those of you who are like details, barley is what they use during Passover because it didn't rise, it didn't give the leaven. So they basically do all of this and they feed them all and they come back and there's all this extra food and the people are enamored at what they've seen. Now, it also should parallel for them because they're around the Passover, which means they're remembering the Exodus. And during the Exodus, Israel was in the desert. And when they're in the desert, God fed them with, anybody know the name of it? Manna. If you didn't know the name of it, don't feel bad. It's a weird word. But manna is this stuff that just kind of shows up on the ground from the dew. It's food that they've never had. So they are now experiencing Jesus doing this providing during Passover, like in the wilderness. Come on, is that not cool? And they're like, wow. And they say, this guy's a prophet. In fact, we think he's the prophet. And they try to make him king, it says, by force. Because what they want is for Messiah to come and take over and make them in charge and give them what they want and make life comfortable and good and beneficial for them. That's what they want. That's what they think following Jesus means, and that's why they're following him. In fact, this whole episode is their confusion about what he does and who he is versus what they want. So all this happens, and basically they're asking it. It says he stole away, and then we get to the next scene, which is where he walks on water. And this is significant just in that it says his disciples go out on this boat, and he stays, but he's hiding so that people don't see him. But they see the disciples left without him, so they, don't, they think he's still in this area. Jesus will end up walking on water that night, which, by the way, is an image of the seas parting when, the, when Israel leaves and gets free. The Dead Sea parts and they walk on dry land. This is a picture of Jesus being the new exodus and the better exodus, by the way. It's just cool how it all... I mean, it's amazing. You're like, why did Jesus walk on water? Well, this is one of the reasons. It's beautiful what happens. So he walks on water, gets in the boat. He's on the other side. And now... They don't know where he is. They can't figure it out. They finally in the morning realize he got over there, but they don't know how. And now they have another time with him on the other side of the lake where he basically, we're going to call it the bread of life, but what happens is they see him and they're like, how did you get over here? A very normal question, right? Now Jesus actually kind of goes after their wrong motives. He says, listen, you're not coming to me because of signs and wonders and what happened. You're coming to me because you got your bellies full. You like the food. 
And then they continue to key on that effort. Well, what does it mean to follow you, they ask. And he says it very simply, believe in me. They're like, I don't get it. What's the sign look like? We got food in the Exodus. What's the sign look like? We got bread. And this is where Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread, the bread that came down from heaven. My father brought you to begin with. And guess what? People ate it and they died. But if you eat who I am, if you follow who I am, if you live believing in who I am, you'll never grow hungry. And what follows is just an argument back and forth. We don't get it. He then says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, oh, now this is weird. But he also has said, the flesh gives nothing. It's the spirit that changes. He's trying to help them understand, you need to feed on me. You need to follow me. You need to live for me. You need to believe in me. Everything else falls away. It's me. Now, it's crazy because it sounds, if this was a person, we'd say, man, they are self-adorned, but it's God. He's not saying it because he needs it. He's saying it because he can never sit alongside of something else. He is the great I am. He is the only one. And he's saying, you want what will really feed you, what will really help you? It's me. You see, all the things Jesus tells us to give up, it's not because he wants us to suffer. It's because they will always divert us from him. We will always go, well, I just need this. Well, I just need that. He says, no, no, I've got more for you than this or that. You will never get it from any of those things. You need to let go of all of them. And then for me, one of the saddest moments in all of scripture happens after he makes this very clear. It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Like I get to that part and I almost want to cry. Because what happened was they looked at what they wanted and thought, you're not the one who's going to bring it. But they missed what they needed and missed who had it and who was it. It is our own would you rather. Would you rather hold on to what you have or follow Jesus? You know, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you today that he's asking you to let go of. And I'm certainly not telling you to go ostracize the people around you or anything like that. I'm asking you to not let them be your drive in life. Would you let go of all the things you've built for yourself, of your own doing, and say, God, it means nothing. I just want you. Could you let go of the benefits and the perks and the ways of life that you think build you up into the right to say, it doesn't mean anything, I want you. Could you let go of even those things that are good, even moving in toward your family and saying, that's what matters most. And go, no, no, no. Would you let go of that for the sake of Jesus and say, I'll follow you? Would you literally give up whatever? Your wealth, your way of life to say, Jesus, if that's what you have, I just want you. When I got done with getting ready for this week, all I could think of was, I can't give you a simple step, but I know the Holy Spirit can lead you. So I'm just gonna pray. Whatever he might bring to mind to you, that might, he, he might even highlight for you, this is an area you've said I must have. This is a way you've thought more of yourself than you should. This is a way that you've lived and said, I will not, this is unreasonable. I don't know what they are. It could be family. 
You know, it could be even in this climate, you've held on to how you think governance is supposed to happen and politics and what that is and go, I, I, that's not, never going to be what has to be. I'm going to rest in you. It may be that you've held in friendships and they have to be certain ways and God's saying, let go of that. Don't hold on to that. It could be you will never make a sacrifice because you will always do what's best for your family first. And Jesus is saying, would you let go of that? I'm just going to pray for us and ask the Spirit to lead you. And I want to say this, if you're with us today and you're not even following Jesus, you're kind of looking in. And I would just say this, you know, we want anyone who's looking to follow him to know the whole story. We're not trying to just draw you to go, oh, yeah, it's all great, you got to do this. We're going, listen, all the hard things that come, they're just worth it. Because he's better than anything we face. And by the way, the hard things we're going to have anyway, we just don't know it. That's the crazy part. The things we grab onto will never carry us. Let me pray. Lord, I ask, uh, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you'd breathe on all of us now. God, I don't know the posture of anyone here. So for those that are really surrendered and wanting and seeking, let them not feel beaten down. Let them feel encouraged. Yeah, this is who I want. This is what I want. Let them continue to kind of surrender and say, I'm yours. For those of us that are grabbing a hold of something that we've even said, I would rather hold this than fully be yours. I'm just asking God, you'd start to loosen that grip on us that we have on those things. Show us what they are and help us to let go that we would say we want you. Help us to let go of how we want to make you king. Help us to let go of how we want to make family be the best thing. Help us to let go of our resource and say we must have. Help us to let go of the ways we've wanted to be well thought of. Help us to let go, God, of those things that we look at and say, I have built my own and I should feel good about me. That we would let it all go for you. I am crying out for a move of your spirit that would bring deeper surrender and deeper followership in us. I pray this in your name. Amen.